0: Hey there, podcast listeners. Happy New Year. Today, I'm uploading the second sermon in my Christmas series that I did in December. I meant to upload it last week, but Christmas happened. Anyway, hopefully the Christmas stuff doesn't feel too out of place in your New Year's excitement. You can just think of it as being really prepared for this year's coming Christmas. Anyway, thanks for listening. This year I decided to give more podcast ratings and reviews in Apple Podcasts because I keep asking people to do it for me, but I never do it for others, and I feel like that's poor form. So if you'd be willing to go and rate and review this podcast, uh, that'll mean that more people get to see it and hopefully find it helpful. And if you want to read my blog, or get more sermons, or book me to speak, you can still find all of that at tomfrench.com.au Happy New Year! Uh, when I was a kid, the thing I loved most about Christmas was probably the thing that most kids love most about Christmas, and that was presents. Presents was pretty much what it was all about. I didn't care that much about the food. It was good, but I liked the presents, and I didn't care that much about you know, hanging out with my family. They were fine, but they were great because they brought me presents and I had kind of this hierarchy in my mind of who gave me the best presents. I knew which presents to be the most excited about when I was opening it. Uh, My grandparents were number one on the list because they were the people who spent the most amount of money on presents for me and they were also the ones that seemed to most often get it right. Like they got me a North Sydney Bears jersey which I really loved when I was a kid. Uh, and they got me a Bon Jovi CD, which was the coolest thing ever. Uh, they got me a bike, which I loved. so they were number one on the list and then there was my parents they, they were next on the list, and then there was the pets in my family because the pets gave gifts, which was excellent. Uh, and then there was uh, my sister, and she she did all right, especially when my parents helped her. but you know. and then there was you know everyone else after that so that 's how i 'll get most excited when I got to the grandparents and generally what would happen though is when I would get to open the present I would, I would psych myself up and I'd be so excited and I'd be like this is going to be the perfect present I am ready for the perfect present this Christmas and so then I would open it up and I would generally be excited about it but I'd also be disappointed with it I'd be disappointed because I had this dream that I would get the perfect present and every year I didn't get the perfect present For some reason, they never quite found the exact right present that was going to make my life the best it could ever be. And this was a problem, I think, partly because I didn't know what that perfect present was. I just knew it when I would open it. Then I would be like, yes, this is it. And so I didn't know it, and so it was always going to disappoint me. I had this kind of false hope for presents, uh, and, and so I was always let down. I was always disappointed. Now, I think some of the way that we feel about Christmas and some of the stress that we have at Christmas is because we have these kind of hopes for Christmas. and Sometimes we put too much on Christmas and we hope for the perfect Christmas or we, we hope for something to come out of Christmas. And Christmas is always going to disappoint us. It's never going to live up to the desire that we have for it. Uh, if, I, if I can kind of illustrate this, Um, stress that we get from false hope at Christmas, uh, we can have kind of three hypothetical people. So last week we had three hypothetical people, now we're going to have three more hypothetical people. Uh, The first person that I want you to meet or imagine is Lauren. And Lauren, uh, she does not like Christmas that much. She doesn't like Christmas that much because it becomes a big deal for her family. Everyone is like talking to each other, organizing Christmas, figuring out where you're gonna be and who's gonna bring what and who's gonna do what. And there's always this idea that they're gonna have a really great Christmas, but she knows that her family is a mess. She knows that, you know, whatever happens, it's always going to end badly at Christmas time. And people will say things like, oh, let's try not to, you know, have the same issues that we had last year. But she knows that the same issues are always going to be there. Like her sister's not going to turn up if her brother is there. And mum and dad are always going to get into a fight. And they might not even be talking to each other when you arrive for Christmas lunch. And so she doesn't like Christmas because it just kind of highlights the fault lines that are in her family. And she wishes she had, you know, that perfect Christmas and that perfect family, but she's not going to get it. So Christmas always causes her stress because of that. And then our second person is Dan. Uh, Dan is someone who is a single man, and he's been single for a while, and he really wants to have a family. Like, he would love to have a wife and kids. He'd love to celebrate Christmas with them. And since his siblings got older and got families of their own and went to their own other christmases he generally just finds that he does christmas day with his mum at the club and he doesn't like it because it highlights all the things that are missing from his life that he really wants you know the, the christmas that he sees everyone else having but he doesn't get it and so christmas is a disappointing time of year for him too and then uh the last person is amy and amy loves christmas she loves it she is like the christmas elf She loves Christmas so much. She she plays carols all the time, and she cooks a big feast for all her friends, and she works really hard on the presents. And she, she loves Christmas so much that she wants to bring everyone else in on Christmas as well and get them to love Christmas. And so she tells all her family what they have to do and gives them all the right instructions, and they always get it wrong. They always get it wrong, and people start get a bit testy with her about, around Christmas, and they avoid her around Christmas because she puts so much into Christmas that it starts hurting her relationships with others, and Christmas becomes so big for her it 's never the, the thing that she wants it to be, like she wants it to be the greatest thing ever, and it 's always good, but it 's never perfect and so Christmas is a stress for her because she wants it to be the best and it 's not there and so these are kind of the hopes that we can have for Christmas, and hopes that will always Let us down, and so we can put these kind of this weight on Christmas that it cannot support because they're false hopes, and so we get stressed because we desire something from Christmas that it cannot give us, which is why then we need to look at the Bible and what does the Bible have to say to us about hope. And so we are looking at uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 9, and uh, in this passage this is like the quintessential passage about christian hope where peter sums up what it is to be a hopeful christian it's not like the perfect christmas passage but it is a good passage to say what are we looking forward to and the people that uh, peter is writing to is a group of christians who are kind of spread out throughout what is now modern day turkey and they are um experiencing uh suffering for their faith they're being persecuted Uh, There's uh, people who are trying to steer them away from following Jesus. Uh, Life is tough for them. Now, Christmas stress and the suffering of first-century Christians—they're not the same thing. And so, let's not pretend uh, that you know the suffering that we might experience at Christmas is anything compared to what they are going through. And we are not persecuted. Like, no matter how many times someone might say to us, "Happy holidays," instead of "Happy Christmas." We are not being persecuted or no matter how big and amazing Santa's village is in our shopping centre compared to the tiny little kind of moth-eaten, theologically incorrect nativity scene that gets put next to the the cleaner's closet in your shopping centre. We are not being persecuted, but uh, we still do experience uh, stress and suffering and significant suffering sometimes at Christmas. And so what we need to know is what is the hope that we have? What is the hope that we look forward to? And so the, the first thing that I want us to see is that when we know our true hope, uh, it frees us from overinvestment investment in lesser promises. When we know the true hope that we have in Jesus, it frees us from overinvestment in the lesser promises of Christmas. And so then we can be set free just to enjoy Christmas for what it is. So have a look again at, um, at the, the passage um, from from verse 3 this is what it says praise be to the god and father of our lord jesus christ in his great mercy we have received his new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of jesus christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish spoil or fade this inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by god's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. And what Peter is saying here is that these things that you're facing, this suffering that you're facing, you can face it if you know what is next. You can face it if you know what your hope is. Look at the greater hope. Look at the true hope that you have, and then you can deal with your reality here and now. And at Christmas time, that's useful for us to know. We say, well, there are lots of things that we're trying to hold on to and lots of things that we're trying to figure out. But what is our greater hope and what is our true hope? And if we can hold on to that, then everything else can find its right place. Now, uh, there are obviously people here who have raised kids. I have not raised kids. I've never had any children, uh, which uh, is fine by me, particularly because of the toddler stage. And, there, and Last week, there were lots of toddlers running around, so I thought, oh, that would be a, a nice uh, illustration. There are a few down the back, and hello. Uh, but, uh, but one of the things I've noticed about toddlers, because I have seen a lot of them, is that sometimes they can get upset about the smallest, most insignificant thing. Like, they can have a tantrum over nothing, absolutely nothing. Like, uh, they can have a tantrum over the fact that you know, like they dropped their sultana down the couch and you offer them a new sultana and they don't want that sultana, they want the one that was down the side of the couch. Or they can have a tantrum because you give them the wrong cup. Yeah, they want the blue cup and you give them the light blue cup. No, they want the blue cup and they can have a tantrum about that. They have a tantrum because you know, you won't let them stand on the table. Or they can have a tantrum because uh, you know, they, they want to go to the shops naked and you won't let them do that. And I think many of you have been parents and raised toddlers. I'm hoping this is resonating with you that this happens and sometimes i'm guessing uh when you were raising your kids or if you've got toddlers or you know if you've experienced this that sometimes you know you've you've managed to deal with it great like you've figured out how to do your parenting perfectly and you've figured out a way to you know you know, solve the problem without escalating the issue and, you know, do all that stuff. Sometimes you do that, but other times, you just make a mess of it, and sometimes you just can't be bothered. Sometimes you're like, look, I do wanna be super parent that I read about on the mummy blogs, but I can't do it today. Right now, I'm just gonna solve this quickly. And so you say, oh, hey, would you like to watch the iPad? And then suddenly, all the anger about whatever is over here has been replaced by the joy of watching the iPad. And so then you send them off to the corner and then they spend their time watching, you know, Peppa Pig or, you know, Octonauts or something. And they're happy and you're happy and you maybe feel a little bit guilty, but you're like, well, look, everything's worked. And now, I've never, you know, raised kids. And so if you use the iPad to, you know, solve problems, good on you, because... You know, I would, like, I would, like, use, like, adoption to solve the problem. So, so the iPad is great. But I think what's going on here, uh, for the toddler, not for us, for the, sorry, not for the parents, for the toddler, is that you, what you do there is that you replace the, the, the lesser hope, the hope that cannot be attained, the hope of, you know, going to the shops naked or it having your your sandwich cut into triangles instead of squares. Like You replace that hope with a greater hope, a true hope, a hope that you can actually hold on to in your hand, which is the iPad. And so the lesser things are forgotten because you have the greater thing, which is hours and hours of Peppa Pig. And so what God does for us is he treats us in a similar way, except what he does for us is that we can get distracted by these little things and he's saying, no, look at the greater thing. Look at the fact that you have been saved by Jesus. Look at the fact that you have an eternity that is is held fast for you, and you know you've got it because Jesus rose from the dead. Look at the fact that whatever hope you have in in the treasure of now, you have an inheritance that will never spoil, perish, or fade. Look at the fact that that is assured for you. Look at that and hold on to that. Because when you can hold on to that, then everything else can find its rightful place. And so if we look at our, um, our people, again, so Lauren with her stressful family, if she goes, well, look, I've got a family because I have a great father in God, and he loves me, and I have a brother in Jesus who gave his life for me, and I'm brought into a heavenly family that I get to experience now, and I will get to experience in the future, then I know that my family now I can I can enjoy what is good about it, but it doesn't have to be everything for me, because I know what I've got and I know what I've got coming. I've got I've got the hope that Jesus gives me, and so it doesn't have to be everything. And if you are um, if you are Dan, single Dan, then then you could say, well, you know, I know that I really would want a family and I really would want kids. I would really enjoy that, but I know that I've got something better in what God has given me. I have a promise that is. Uh, like in Isaiah 54, it says this: "Sing, barren women, you who never bore a child; burst into song, shout for joy, you who are never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband," says the Lord. And if Dan can manage to, you know, just fix the gender language a bit, which he can because he's an enlightened millennial, then he can figure out that that actually this is a promise for him that God promises to give us more, even more than our earthly families. we have them and they are great but he promises more for us and if we don't get that then he's got something better for us he's got a promise that we are welcomed into his family and welcomed into eternity and then if we have amy amy who loves christmas then she can know well look actually i've got the perfect thing in god i've got the perfect hope in jesus and i've got my salvation which is you know glorious I'm a glorious salvation. There is nothing more glorious than my salvation. So as wonderful as Christmas is, I can just enjoy it for what it is. It doesn't have to be any more than that. I don't have to try and get everyone else to make it more than that because I know what I've got. And the most glorious thing is what Jesus has done for me. So I'm going to hold on to that and then let Christmas be great, but just be what it is and nothing more. Okay, then the the second thing, um, which I think we can figure out is that Uh, When we know our true hope, then it allows us to live faithfully in the present. Because it doesn't just mean that when we know our true hope that we are um, able to put things in their right place, but we can put things in their right place and then live the way God calls us to within those stressful times, within those broken dreams, within that false hope. Uh, We can hold on to that and hold on to what God has done for us. Uh, So... Let's have, let's have a look at the passage again. So if you have a look, um, let's say let's go from verse 7 again. Uh, this is what it says. Now these have come, so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of of your souls, and what this is saying uh, is that you are going to go through hard times, and as you suffer, um, because you know your hope, then you can live for Jesus. And if you read the rest of one Peter, Peter calls the readers to live out their faith within the suffering, within the hardship. And so, if they can do that within their persecution, then we can do that within our. Our false hopes of Christmas within the stress that we have in Christmas if we can do that then we can choose to live faithfully the life that Jesus calls us to so as we know our hope as we know our hope then we can live the way live the way we want to live the way God calls us to now uh, Star Wars came out uh, this week Star Wars episode eight and sorry no swear no no, no no swears no I promise oh yeah i'm I promise not to give any spoilers, I'm not even going to tell you what's in the film, but I watched it. Uh, Now, I've I've been a movie fan for a long time, I've been a Star Wars fan for almost as long as I've been a movie fan, and uh, when the prequels came out, I loved going to the cinema to see them and I went there on like opening night, Uh, when I was old enough, which was for the second two, I went to the midnight screening. I loved the midnight screening. Like The midnight screening was heaps of fun, the people would dress up and you know there'd be like this sense of anticipation and excitement, but you'd have to get there really early because you need to get in the line, you need a good spot in the line, so you get a good spot in the cinema. And so when you're in the line, you're there and you're enjoying it, there's kind of a bit of sense of fun, but there's also the stress because you're like, look, all these people are my competitors for the best seats in the cinema. I'm looking around going, oh. Yeah, you, you in the Chewbacca costume. How well can you run? Can I do better than you and get a good spot? Or uh, looking at the, the, you know, the Ewoks and going, ah, oh, how many seats are you going to take up? Ewoks are you going to take up the space for me and my friends? And so you're starting to stress out because you're like, this is really fun, but also you're like, there's going to be this moment where we've got to get the perfect spot. And so, and then you know, the line gets squished up and people you know, start saying, get out your tickets, and you're like, oh. It's a really stressful experience. That was then. But now, you can book your tickets online and you can choose where you're gonna sit. So, Em and I went to the midnight screening and uh, we dressed up, uh, it was great. And uh, it was not a stressful experience at all. There was no line at all, because everyone had their tickets. And we didn't, I didn't look at everyone going, oh, you're a competitor for the best seats. I'm like, our seats are sorted. I know that my, my hope, my Star Wars hope is secure because it's on my tickets, so I don't need to look at you all as competitors. Like, you're just comrades in Star Wars fandom. And so we'd chat to each other and we took photos with people and, you know, we told people they had great costumes and they liked our costumes and and there was no, everyone just stood around. It was like, kind of like a party. It was really nice because we, because our hope was secure. We knew what our hope was and it was there, it was safe. We could treat each other well. Well, when we know that our hope is secure because of what God has done for us, then we can live faithfully now. And it means at Christmas time, the way we treat people, we can treat people the way God asks us to treat people. We can treat people with love and respect and kindness because we know that our hope is secure. We don't need to to try and grab this lesser hope of Christmas. We've got the greater hope of Jesus. And so, you know, for uh, for Lauren, whose family is a mess, then she can say, I'm not going to try and force my family to be something that it's not. Because it's never going to be the family that I want it to be. But what I can do is say, how can I bring peace into this broken situation? And how, how can I bring love into this situation? How can I thank God for what I have? And how can I pray for what I do not have? And how can I do a little bit to live faithfully here in this, this mess that I, that is my family? And for, for Dan, single Dan, then he can... He can say, well, you know, I'm lonely at Christmas and maybe my mom is lonely at Christmas too because we just spend every Christmas at the club together. How can I love my mom? Because I know that I've got a hope that is secure in heaven. That's fine. I'm sorted. Jesus is enough for me. But how can I help other people to see that Jesus is enough for them? How can I help my mom know that Jesus is enough for her? How can I care for her and live faithfully in this situation? And then for, for Amy who loves Christmas, then she can say, well, the Christmas is a great gift to me. How can I make it a gift for others? So I don't try and force others into my mold of wonderful Christmas, but how can I use the presents to be generous? And how can I use the, the, the feast that I cook to, to feed people who maybe I wouldn't normally feed? How can I use Christmas to faithfully honor God? Because I know the great hope that I have in Jesus and what he has given me. How can I use what I have now to make the gift of Christmas a gift for others? Because when we know our hope is secure, then we can live faithfully. Uh, in the rest of our lives. Uh, the very last thing that, that I want us to do is just to consider what, all, what we see of all this in, in the incarnation. Because Christmas really is, as we know, the celebration not of the presents and the, the, you know, the family stress and all the money that we spend. It's not all those things. We know it's about the fact that God has come to us in his son Jesus. And when God came to us in his son Jesus, that was probably one of the greatest disappointments of history, because when people were hoping for their Messiah to come, he was going to come as a great military ruler, as a king who would restore Israel to its former glory in the time of David or the time of Solomon, that's what they were hoping for, and then along comes you know, their Messiah, and their Messiah comes in a poor baby born in a, in a manger and, and grows up to be a man who kind of shuns power and shuns violence, and a man who is a disappointment to everyone but he had to be a disappointment because he was replacing their false hope with a greater hope. He was replacing their false hope with the hope that actually he wasn't here for an earthly kingdom but for an eternal kingdom that starts here and never ends. And he wants to invite people not just to become, you know, his subjects for the time that they're on earth, but he wants everyone to submit to his lordship whether they're Jew or Gentile, whoever they are, everyone can come into his kingdom. He replaces the false hope with a greater hope, and then he won it for us at the cross. And so the the disappointments that we have at Christmas can remind us that actually we have a a disappointing God who gave us a great hope. And we can look to Him and celebrate Him this Christmas and then choose to go out and say, well, look, we have this great hope. Let's live faithfully knowing it. If you are someone who isn't a Christian, then what all this means for you is that there is is plenty of hope that you can have in this world, but none of it's going to last. And all of it is going to let you down. It's only in Jesus that you have a hope that lasts now and forever. Only in Jesus that you have a forgiveness that God can offer you that is now and forever. It's only in Jesus that you can be welcomed into a family that is now and forever. It's only in Jesus that you can have a hope that lasts. And so put your trust in him. And if you are a Christian, then know this hope you have in jesus remind yourself of it every day in the good times in the bad times it's not just about christmas obviously this will help you and help me all the way through our lives because the better we know what we have in jesus the better we can live with him in the the mess and the stress and the good times and the bad times of life now i'm going to pray for us Uh, father god we thank you uh, that you sent jesus uh, that he came and he uh, lived A life that was so good, that was so wonderful, and that was so misunderstood. And I pray that we will see him and the way that he lived in this world, and the way that he uh, replaced false hope with true hope. And that we will replace our false hopes with the true and the tangible and the great hope that we have uh, in Jesus. Father God, help us to be people this Christmas who know this hope and who live out this hope and live faithfully within it and point others to it so that we do not add stress this Christmas, that we we had joy and grace and love and peace so that others might see your goodness in us. Amen.